My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And our lead pastor, Pastor Ryan, kicked off a brand new teaching series called Upside Down Kingdom. And Jesus, he came. And some of the things that he did almost seems upside down in the way that he did that. And quite often, the way that he would teach are through parables. And so for the next six weeks, we're going through these different parables or these teachings that Jesus did. And just kind of this explaining uh, God's kingdom coming here and now. So if you brought your Bibles, please head over to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 36. And uh, what's really cool is um, what we're doing through this teaching series is we're having different students come up and read the passage for us. So Finn, if you could make your way up here. Uh, Finn is a, a student here, and he totally let me know that you spell his name with two N's, not one, because I would have thought that you would spell that with uh, one N. You want to come right here. Everybody wants to see you, not me. So, Finn, uh, what grade are you going into? Fourth grade. You're going into fourth grade. And how has your summer been so far? Good. Awesome. So, uh, good. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, do you have uh, the Bible passage ready to go here for us? Yes. Okay, so before you get started, I'm going to ask everyone, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we read God's Word here today? And the reason why we're doing this is to give reverence for the authority of God's word in our life. And so I'm thankful that Finn's going to read the scriptures for us today. Now, he's reading a different translation that will be on the screen, and that's okay. So if you get distracted by what you're reading and what he's saying, maybe just close your eyes and just listen to him as he reads the word for us here today. All right, Finn, whenever you're ready, buddy. A chap, Luke. Chapter 7, a sinful woman pours perfume on Jesus, verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to Pharisee's house. He took his place at the table. There was a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came with a special sealed jar of perfume. She stood behind Jesus and with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. The Pharisee who had invited Jesus, saw this. He said to himself, If this man were to prophet, he would know who is touching him. He would know what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain lender. One owed him 500 silver coins. The other owed him 50 silver coins. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he let them go without paying. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who owed the most money. You are right, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. He said to Simon, 
Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water to wash my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not stepped Stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not put any olive oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. So I tell you this, her many sins have been forgiven. She has loved a lot, but the one who has been loved a lot, but the one who has been forgiven, little ones... I meant little, loves, only a little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to talk about this among themselves. They said, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We thank them. You can go ahead and sit down, buddy. Please stay standing. Please stay standing. Let's pray. Father God. Thank you for your holy word. Now may we hear from you, not from me, but may we hear from you and may your spirit just begin to shape and mold our hearts and our minds and may we begin to look more and more like you here today. So Father, we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Thank you, Finn. You did awesome on that, buddy. So, now we're going to dive into the scripture. We, we've heard the, the whole story here, and, and if you notice, really the parable is only two verses, but we want to look at what's happening before and after that. Now, Pastor Ryan, when he opened up our teaching series last week, he gave us some definitions of what a parable is. A parable is a story with intent. Jesus was very intentional when he would share these teachings or these stories. Another way to put it is a parable is to awaken insight and move us to action for the kingdom of God. And so I just, I wanted to bring those slides back for us here today so that way we have those lenses as we dive into the scriptures. So are you guys fired up, ready to go? Come on, yeah. That was awesome. Cool. Now I'm more fired up than I already was. All right, let's dive in. Verse 36. It says, then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. All right, we got to stop already. We got to put this into context. Now, we've already heard the whole story, and Jesus kind of called out Simon the Pharisee that he didn't do certain things. But let's just pause for a second and let's just think about a normal greeting. Like, let's think about a greeting that we would do today. Like, let's say you have a friend that comes over to your house, you weren't expecting them, but you know who they are, and they come, they ring your doorbell, or they knock on your door. What do you typically do? Like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And then you, you would invite them into your house, right? Like, you, you wouldn't leave them outside. You'd say, hey, do you want to come inside? Oh, and if they have a jacket or something, maybe it's cold out. You say, hey, can I take your, your jacket? And then you bring them further into your house and maybe you offer them uh, something to drink like a glass of water or if you're a real Christian, a nice cup of coffee or something. <laughs> you do a nice pour over or a French press just to show that this person has value 
right? Uh, Pastor JB, he made me a Japanese cold brew this last week. Man, that dude loves me. Like, it was awesome. You can Google search Japanese cold brew later. But it's just the point, like, hospitality, right? And maybe you'd come into your living room, and maybe you were watching TV or a movie or something, and what you do is you grab the remote, and then you would shut the TV off. And what does that say to the person who's visiting you? Like, you're showing that person value by the way that you greeted them that day, right? Like, if you just left the TV going and you just pick up where you left off in the movie and they're sitting in your living room, like, that's kind of rude, right? And and we already know in this story that there were certain things that this Pharisee didn't do. Uh, One was washing of feet. I mean, they wore sandals. They're in a deserty area. It's very dusty. There would be manure in the roads. Like, their feet would be gross. They didn't have those little robotic vacuum cleaners to go around their houses to keep things clean, right? And so one way that you would value a person is having their feet washed or anointing their head with oil, just allowing them to be refreshed from the heat of the day. And so I found a rendering that would kind of, because I'm a visual learner, this is from a, a, Roman, um, a Roman house in the first century world. And so I don't know that it would look exactly like this, but it, the idea that Jesus came and he reclined. It's not that he was kicking back in a chair. He was actually laying on his side. Now, I would argue the point that he was laying on his left side. This picture doesn't show that because you used your right hand for drinking and eating. Your left hand was for some other business. And so you don't want to eat with the other hand that takes care of business. And so often you would lay down on your left side while you would use your right hand for eating and drinking. And so we, we just, we want to know those things in context because Luke gives us tons of details. And so we found that Jesus, uh, he was reclining at a table. And this woman brings an alabaster jar full of perfume. Now, there's a lot of detail that Luke is giving us here. For one, it wasn't uncommon for strangers to show up where a rabbi or a teacher was teaching. Like if they knew that this teacher was going to be in this location and people wanted to hear or feast on the rabbi's words, they would come. So it wasn't uncommon for strangers to show up so that way they could hear the teacher. Now, Luke gives us another detail here. She brought an alabaster jar. So it's kind of reading in between the lines here, but clearly this woman was prepared to bring something. I don't know that she was just haphazardly carrying an alabaster jar and said, oh, Jesus is over here. I guess I'll just come and bring my perfume that's expensive. And we already know from the narrative that the Pharisees were calling her a sinner. Like she was a social outcast. The fact that she could afford an alabaster jar of perfume, it's highly likely that she was probably a prostitute. And so Luke is giving us all these little nuggets, all these little details of what's happening. But then in verse 38 there, it says, and she uh, stood behind him at his feet. That doesn't seem uncommon if he's laying down. If the, the people of the house are all laying down, they're eating, drinking, whatever they're doing, and then there's people standing behind, 
It's very probable that his feet were hanging off and she was able to stand at Jesus' feet. But what was she doing? She was weeping. Now, there's a lot of debate on the reason why she is weeping. Maybe she didn't feel worthy enough to to be at Jesus' feet. I think it's also plausible that she has already had an interaction with Jesus at some other point. And maybe she has tears and weeping of joy. I mean, think about that for a minute. Have you ever, like, gone to the hospital to visit someone or been part of a funeral? And maybe afterwards you just start sobbing. And maybe it's like, wow, God, I can't imagine what that person's going through. I've been in that situation. I've left funerals just absolutely sobbing because, and I want to be sensitive here, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. And my heart breaks for you that hear that, and I don't mean to say that to stir up more emotions, but I'm so thankful and joyful that I haven't had to go through those things. And it breaks my heart and I praise God for his grace and his mercy and his sovereignty in my life that I haven't had to have that. And I've weeped tears of joy. But maybe, maybe you've experienced that. And, and I would dare to say that maybe this woman has tears of joy. Then Luke gives us another detail. She's not only weeping, but she's washing Jesus' feet with her hair. This would be scandalous during this time. The fact that a woman was exposing her hair, that is very provocative during first century world. A woman, once she was engaged to a man, she would cover her hair. It was also a symbolism of her commitment to her husband, that she wasn't available to other men. It's plausible that maybe this woman exposing her hair is also a symbolism of her commitment to Jesus. But this this would have shook everybody sitting at this meal, the fact that her hair was exposed And maybe her hair was exposed because of the lifestyle that she was living. Maybe because she was a prostitute. And she just kind of wanted to to have it out there and to advertise herself in a sense. I don't know. Like there's a lot. You got to be careful reading in between the lines. But we are given a lot of details here. And she was kissing and anointing them with perfume. I'm wondering though with this woman Maybe she was there and she noticed that Simon the Pharisee didn't do a normal greeting when Jesus walked in. Maybe she heard that Jesus was going to to come and speak at this place and she just wanted to anoint Jesus with this perfume. But maybe she was weeping at the possibility that Jesus was insulted in the way that he was asked to come into this house because no one did wash his feet. No one anointed him. No one gave him a holy kiss. And maybe she thought that she was just gonna give this special thing to Jesus, but then her heart broke because of the insult towards Jesus. Maybe she came into this already forgiven by Jesus 
And it compelled her to just love Jesus. One of the points that I hope that you walk away with today is that forgiveness compels us to love. As we begin to wrap our our heads and our minds around the forgiveness that Jesus has given us, it should compel us to go and to love other people. As we begin to just grab a handful of understanding, wow, Jesus, he's done a ton for me. He has forgiven me. He has rescued me from a lot of things. That should compel us inside to go and to love. Now the narrative changes a little bit. Now we begin to look at the disciple. There in verse 39, when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to him, this man, if he were a prophet, I mean, that's kind of an illusion that they didn't even believe in who Jesus was which is kind of ironic that Jesus did prophesy within this context. But it was almost an insult. Like, if he were a prophet, like, he would know what kind of woman this is. What, do you know the reputation that this woman has? Did you know that she is a sinner? And that's the reason why it's very plausible that she was a prostitute. The fact that she could even afford this expensive perfume as a woman. Women in the first century, like they were just above farm equipment. Like they did not have a social uh, order in a sense. Like they didn't have much value in the first century world, which is why I'm thankful for Jesus coming and ushering the gospel and elevating women's status and even Paul writing to the churches. But this, these labels, these religious people, these, these people who were churchy, And the way that they viewed this woman, if you knew who she was, this sinner, why would you even allow her to touch you? I mean, rabbis didn't even speak to women unless they were relatives. And the fact that you have this sinful woman now touching you, that now defiles you. That defiles this vessel. And so this would have been scandalous. And then Jesus moves into the parable. Remember, the parable is to awaken insight and move us to action for the kingdom of God. And now Jesus gives a parable in this moment. And he says, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? So a, a denarius, a denarii, is a day's worth of wages. Here's an image of a silver denarius, and it just equals a day's worth of wages. Now let's pause for a minute. Let's try to put this into our context now. Let's just pretend for a moment that you make $20 an hour and that you work for eight hours. I understand. Some of, some of us make more than that. Some of us don't even make that much. But I just threw out a number to give us a base. And so if you made $20 an hour, your day's worth of wages would be $160. Now, if you worked 50 hours, that would be $8,000. Now stop for a second. Don't, you math nerds, don't get ahead of me on this, okay? Stay with me for a second. 
If I owed you $8,000 and you said, Brandon, your $8,000 is forgiven, I would be floored by that. I mean, maybe some of us in the room, we have debt, right? And it's way more than $8,000, right? If we, if we were to do the 500 hours, that's $80,000. That's more than what my house cost five years ago. And if the bank came up to me and said, you know what, Brandon, your mortgage is forgiven. You don't owe anything on that. Like that would blow my mind. Think about that in your context, Think about your mortgage, maybe your, your student loan, credit card debt that you might have. And imagine they called you up and said, your debt is forgiven. How would you feel? Think about that for a minute. Maybe the thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars that you might owe. And someone just waved a magical wand and said, you know what? You don't owe that anymore. How would you feel? I would feel amazing and great. I'd probably do a cartwheel or something. I'm not going to do a cartwheel. Don't think that. I'm not doing a cartwheel. (laughs) Pastor Josh has evidence that I can do a cartwheel. Go see him after service. I'm not doing one. So... But think about it. I just want you to sit in that, that emotion, that feeling for a minute. I want you to feel the weight of your debt. I just want you to feel it for just a minute. And if someone forgave that. And I get, some of you, you're probably debt free. You were able to be super generous with the families that we blessed. Praise God for that. That's awesome. That's another reason to, to strive to be debt free. But that's not what the message is about here today. I just want you to feel the weight of debt being forgiven. I just tried to put it in practical terms. I don't know about you, but even $8,000, if that was forgiven, like that's a big deal. But at the foot of the cross, it doesn't matter how much that debt is, it's all forgiven. And that's what we need to try to track with here this morning. Let's continue. Simon answered, He says, I suppose the one that forgave more. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Like, you don't need to be good at math, a mathematician, college ed, to understand that, like, yeah, if there's more debt, that person's probably going to appreciate it a lot more. Now, Jesus, now he begins to unpack this parable. He says, Simon, um, I, I suppose the one that was forgiven more, you judge correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. Luke continues to describe this. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loves much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. See, I think, I think this woman was already forgiven and she came to love on Jesus. I think her being forgiven... 
And, and she's, let's just be clear, her forgiveness wasn't because she came and anointed Jesus' feet or washed them or with her hair anointing with perfume. That's not why she was forgiven. I think she was already forgiving. I think she was compelled to come and to love Jesus. See, she realized that she was a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. And what we need to realize is that sinners see the call for faith. Self-righteous fail to see the need for faith. See, self-righteous people, they look at their good deeds or they compare themselves to someone else's debt. They think, you know what, I come every week, I come to church, I throw a little money in there, I volunteer on my kid's baseball team. Like I do all these good things, they definitely outweigh my sin. And that's not how it works. It's putting our faith Another word would be trust. Another word, word would be surrender to Jesus. Our faith and trust into Jesus is what forgives us. We have to have that theology. Because Jesus said, hey, your sins are forgiven. It's our faith and our trust and our surrender in Jesus. That is what forgives us. Not our good deeds, not the best that we could ever do on a Sunday. None of that is in comparison. And so Jesus calls out the religious people to take a new look at their religious lives. And I hope that we wrestle with this thought. I mean, it's beautiful that Pastor Ryan opened this up last week with the new wineskin. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. And so what does it look like as us, as followers of Jesus, to take a new, fresh look at our religious lives that we have? And how do we live out of that? Because your faith has saved you, not anything that you do that is religious. Not you doing your quiet times or coming to first Wednesdays or any of that. That's not what saves you. It is your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God is holy. He is a holy God. And sin is bad. It's very bad. And I know that that's a very simple statement, but I just want you to feel the weight that sin is bad and that breaks our connection with the creator of the universe. And so we need to live into response with that. Do we live in response to the Savior's call to forgiveness and faith? Do we respond because we have put our faith, trust, and surrender into Jesus Christ, the creator of all things? Have we put our faith and trust into that? Or we maybe heard something that made us feel good and we just tried to do good things. And I just want us to live in detention. Do we live in response to the faith that we've put into Jesus? And some of us, we made that decision when we were a little kid or maybe we're an older kid. Maybe it was at a camp somewhere. I don't know what your story is, but is your life in response to the faith that you have put into Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that wasn't enough tension to build, forgiveness compels us to forgive others.
please hear me on this. I am not saying that you need to be a doormat in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying that at all. But if you read those words on the screen right now, and if there's a person that comes to mind that you know you are still harboring bitterness in, you really need to seek Holy Spirit and ask him to help you to forgive this other person. Jesus has come and he built a bridge on a cross. I mean, who are we in the spans of the universe? Humans are like specks of sand on a beach. And yet God chose humans to be in relationship with. And because he's a holy and just God, and because we have sinful bents in our hearts and our minds, he came and sent his one and only son who forgave us. And as we realize that forgiveness, how can we not extend that forgiveness to other people? One of my favorite authors and speakers is Bob Goff. I had the privilege of hearing him speak a couple of years ago, um, and I found this amazing quote in a journal that he wrote. He says, uh, just like uh, it did with the disciples, following Jesus will look like getting it wrong a lot and receiving forgiveness every time. I felt like that before. I feel like I'm trying to strive after you, Jesus. I'm trying to, trying to be that religious person in a sense, and I just, I fall on my face and I have to ask for forgiveness from Jesus. I, I'd rather fall forward trying than not moving forward in my faith. But this last statement, when it matters more what our faith looks like than what it is, it's time to start over. I'm gonna let that sit for a second. Are we more worried about what our faith looks like towards other people? Are we more worried that we have our Jesus fish on our vehicle, we wear that t-shirt that has that Bible verse on it, we make sure that we share all of our quiet times on social media to show people how good our faith is on the inside, but really our heart is far from God the other six days of the week. We need to wrestle with that because that's not okay. I think it's time for us to hit reset in that. It's more about what our faith is. Is our faith loving others? Is our faith forgiving others? Those are things that we need to wrestle with. And so I just want to pause for a moment and just give you space right now in your heart and your mind to just wrestle with this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What is it in my life? If I lost track of the debt that you have paid for me, I don't care if it's $8,000 or $80,000. Have you lost track of the debt that Jesus paid for you and for me? 
Because in the great skew of things, if we are these specks of sand on a beach and God, the creator of all things, decide to have a relationship with you and, for, uh, with, you and for, with me, like that seems upside down to me. Like if I was God, I would just hit reset. They just completely rebel against me all the time. They just keep screwing up all the time. I'm just, I'm done with those humans. That's how my heart would be. I wouldn't have the grace and the mercy that the creator of the universe has. That seems upside down to me. And if we're followers or disciples of Jesus, how can we not usher in that kingdom to the people that we work, live, and play with? That seems so upside down to me. So if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? We're gonna sing a song to close out our service, and it's reckless love. And we sang this last week, but I asked Pastor JB to to throw it in the rotation again because I felt that it was so appropriate after today's message. It would almost seem like God is reckless in the way that he loves us. How holy he is. That he's willing to step into our lives and kick down lies. The way that he would extend grace and mercy and forgiveness. I should not be standing here right now. I should be dead or in prison for the choices and the sin that has been in my life. And through God's sovereignty and his grace and his mercy, I'm able to worship with my church family here today. I don't know what your debt is. Don't compare your debt to my debt. We all have debt, and it's been paid by the blood of Jesus. And I want us to feel that. When we feel the weight of that, it compels us to go. It compels us. And at the same time, I totally get it. There might be some of us standing in this room right now, you're needing that forgiveness right now. You're needing that relationship. You're needing to cross that bridge of faith through trusting and surrendering your life over to Jesus. And so I'm gonna ask the prayer teams to make it down to each side of the corner. They would love to pray with you, but I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you feel led, pray that prayer maybe under your lips or in your mind right now and begin this relationship with Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. And maybe for some, uh, some others that are in the room or just even watching us online right now, you know that there's something that you need to be forgiven of and you have not confessed that to God yet. Would you use this time to make it right with God? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming and building a bridge. Thank you for paying my debt. I am unworthy to be in a relationship with you, but you love me. Thank you for being nailed to a cross for me. Would you be the Lord of my life? 
Would you make the decisions over my life? Thank you for saving me. I live my life for you. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.